Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to take a moment before starting today's podcast to thank this episode's sponsor, Podcorn. You'll have noticed that I mentioned that I create these podcasts of my own back, with finances out of my own pockets in my ad breaks. Podcorn has made it much easier for me to raise money needed to host these episodes by creating an open platform marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities without having to mess about with the middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can browse and choose opportunities then and there. There they can show their rates and can collaborate with brands directly. You never give up any rights to your podcast and Podcorn is there to support you at every step to ensure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do. Their mission is simple, to give podcasts transparency, creative freedom and full control when we monetize. If you want to find out more and take a look at what's on offer, click on the link in my show notes and sign up to Podcorn to start browsing sponsorship opportunities. Now let's begin. We all remember spending the night at a friend's house. A group of us telling stories and playing games into the night. Sometimes sneaking a bottle of alcohol past our parents. Sometimes watching films we were far too young to see. Sometimes simply playing until the sun came up the following morning. There are several things we can all expect from these sleepovers. The first being laughter as we tell funny stories and reminisce over old times. The other being practical jokes, putting the fingers of a sleeping guest into a cup of water or squirting shaving foam into the palm of the hands and tickling their nose. But the third thing is something that we never really planned for or planned to do and yet, it always seems to rear its head at some point into the night. The scare. It is an interesting development that comes in the night. A strange desire to feel the excitement of fear through tasks, stories or movies. One that lives on through generations and remains throughout numerous cultures, emphasizing just how much of a simple human desire it is. One scare has lived on longer than many, requiring bravery and nerves of steel. To prove to your friends that you are not afraid whilst using all your might to evoke the fear in others. We laugh and we giggle as we take it in turns to stand in front of that mirror, to whisper that mysterious name, partly hoping for her arrival, mostly dreading the possibility of it. It may be all fun and games, simple scares to create our own bumps in the night, but what if there was more to the story than that? What if she was real? What if she arrived? I'm Luke Mordew, and this urban legend is Bloody Mary. What's so interesting about the notion of Bloody Mary is just how familiar the story is to us all, and yet just how many versions of the tale there are. With different people from different parts of the world claiming several variations of the amount of times a name needs to be repeated, and claims of vastly different repercussions for doing so. No matter the differences to the task, to the reactions, or to the origin story itself, they all bow down to one name that stands above the rest in the Western world. Mary. Even those without a superstitious bone in their body would still hesitate for at least a moment at the notion of standing in front of the mirror, alone in the dark, repeating her name. 
inviting her to appear in the mirror behind you. There is something unnerving about the prospect of actively inviting a dark presence into your home, even if you don't believe in that presence's existence to begin with. Perhaps that's why the tale of Bloody Mary lives on, because it evokes fear in so many of us, giving us an opportunity to delve in, thus proving ourselves unafraid, or to face evil incarnate in the darkness of our own home. In my telling of the story, we will follow three siblings who have taken it upon themselves to have a little sleepover of their own as they all snuck into one room, ready for a night of laughs and spooks into the night. It was late at night, later than siblings Ashley, Jacob and Nicholas were usually allowed up, but it was the weekend and both their parents had fallen asleep watching the TV downstairs. To look into the bedroom, you would think that they were fast asleep, sat in the darkness not making a sound. It would only be when you turned on the lights that you would notice the bedsheets carefully draped over from bed to bed, creating a little den-like structure for them to crawl around with. Their little bodies were all stuck under the beds, their heads all facing each other under the fabric of the sheet, lit only by the little torches they each held in their hands. Ashley, the oldest of the three and the only girl, had looked up a countdown titled Scariest Moments in Horror Movie History. She placed it on the floor, gently pushing it closer to her two little brothers as they eagerly watched, the nervousness clear in them as their bodies stiffened, although both fought hard against the urge to look away refusing to be the one to lose face. The horrifying images and jump scares continued on the five-inch screen whilst a montage of terror played in front of their young eyes. All the while, Ashley watched with a cheeky, gleeful smile creeping on her face that she tried, but failed to hide. It seemed that one moment was the straw that broke the camel's back as the youngest of the three, Jacob, jumped, causing his feet to slam against the bed above his legs. This in turn made Nicholas jump, who instantly clambered out from the darkness, breaking the fabric wall of the duvet cover and diving into the open space of the bedroom, flicking on the lamp with haste. The other two laughed with enthusiasm, still trying to keep their voices down to ensure they didn't wake their sleeping parents downstairs, having far too much fun to be forced to go to bed. Nicholas wouldn't mind usually. Ashley scared him all the time, and she was at least two years older than him. What bothered him the most was that he had been spooked by his little brother, Jacob. So much so that he broke the den and jumped into the light. He felt embarrassed and ashamed, emotions he didn't yet have full grasp of in his young age, revealing itself as frustration and anger instead. He told them to shut up, which only made them laugh more, partly due to the comedy of the situation, mostly to wind Nicholas up further at this point, ensuring he understood why they were laughing as Ashley quite literally pointed at him, calling him a wuss for scaring so easily. Simple, childish games, nothing more. I'm not a wuss, Nicholas replied, standing strong, holding his head up high to ensure as much height as he could muster. You're scared of everything, Jacob replied, mostly mimicking his big sister enjoying the moment they were sharing, even if it was at the expense of Nicholas. All right, fine, Nicholas responded, nodding his head. If you guys are so tough, I know something we can do. What is it? Ashley replied, her eyes widening in excitement at the prospect of another spooky moment in the night. 
Go in the bathroom with a candle, Nicholas responded. Look at yourself in the mirror and repeat Bloody Mary three times. Ashley laughed, jumping to her feet with enthusiasm while Jacob remained on the floor, a look of confusion and worry on his face. Why? he asked, trying to understand what made it such a terrifying act, a sensation creeping over him that suggested that he already knew that wasn't going to be good. Apparently, if you say her name three times in a mirror, she will appear behind you. She was a witch who was burned at the stake, so she looks horrible, Ashley replied, taking dark joy out of teasing her little brother with scary stories as she watched him rise to his feet in concern. That's not right, Nicola sharply replied, shutting down her story. She was brutally murdered, but as she died, she caught a glimpse of her own reflection in the mirror across the room, and from then onwards, her spirit was trapped inside. Now she comes to whoever calls her to seek revenge. It seemed the tables had turned, with Nicholas and Ashley now taking joy in teasing little Jacob with the scary stories. There was no animosity, you see. Just childlike play and bravado to prove to each other who truly is the alpha of the group, so to speak. Jacob never got a chance to agree to this devilish experiment, but he never got a chance to disagree either, as Ashley crept down the stairs past her sleeping parents and into the kitchen to take a thick, long candle from the cupboard, as well as a lighter her mum kept in the knick-knack drawer before heading back to the top of the stairs. By the time she reached the top step, Nicholas and Jacob were already on the landing, standing outside the darkness of the bathroom as they waited, still safe under the light of the hallway lamp that seeped into the bathroom ever so slightly, gently revealing the mirror ahead. Who's going first then? Ashley asked as she lit the candle in her hand before pushing it out towards her two brothers, making it clear that she wasn't going to be the one whilst trying to style the house in a way that she hoped they wouldn't notice. To both of his siblings' surprise, it was young Jacob who reached out and took the candle first, staring down at the flame as if it was a gateway into the spirit world itself. Why Why do we need the candle? He asked, his voice already trembling. Is to light their path to you, Ashley replied, her cheeky smile now filling with a sense of pride in her younger brother as she handed him the lighter. He nodded his head, turning into the bathroom, stepping into the darkness towards the mirror. The moment little Jacob stepped inside, the other two grabbed the door handle, slamming it closed behind him. This created a moment of sudden panic as he darted back to the door, trying to pull it still holding the candle in his fingers as he failed to yank it open, begging them to let him out. They calmed him, as Nicholas confirmed that they would let him out once he had done the deed. And so, little Jacob took his candle that he gripped firmly in his fingertips and placed it between the two taps under the mirror above the sink, plonking the lighter by its side just in case it was needed. He stared at himself, too afraid to look into the dark corners of the room around him, understandably hesitating to complete the task at hand. Hurry up! Nicholas called through the door in a stage whisper, still ensuring their parents downstairs didn't wake up to ruin their fun. Young Jacob was not as prepared for the task as he had imagined he would be, and so he forced his eyes shut, ensuring there was no way he would accidentally peep at the mirror by placing the palms of his hands over them as he repeated into the darkness of his eyelids. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. All right, I think I hacked in. We're on the air? Shh, 
Security's outside. But how's my hair? It's a radio station. Psst. Psst. You guys hear about the Beyond the Shadows podcast with Ryan and Scott? You guys into paranormal? What about true crime? How about UFOs and cryptids? We also have mad hauntings. We got security. No, we don't. We're not big enough to need it yet. No, we got security. Hey, what are you guys doing? Get out of here. Listen to the Beyond the Shadows podcast. Beyond the Shadows. After a few seconds pause, the bathroom door opened, revealing the light of the hallway lamp to cut out the shadowy corners as he swiftly dropped his hands from his face to ensure they did not see that he had failed. Wasting no time, he instantly paced out of the room, receiving a strong hug from Ashley who squeezed him with pride before stepping into the shadow herself. Remember, Nicholas said, you're not allowed out until you do it. She nodded her head, screwing her face up as if to say, obviously clearly offended by the notion that she would try to escape from fear. The boys waited outside, carefully listening through the bathroom door as Ashley approached the dim glow of the candles that reflected against the mirror ahead. She stared into her own eyes, watching the shadows morph the structure of her face as the candlelight flickered ever so slightly with her movement. With a deep breath and a trembling lip, she finally opened her mouth and whispered, Bloody Mary. She stared at herself a little longer, her eyes darting to the corner of the room around her in the reflection of the glass. There was nothing there that she could see and so she said it again. Bloody Mary. With this, the candlelight flickered, causing her to jump back in fear, whelping like a dog whose tail had just been stepped on. She considered that she was breathing heavily and had taken a deep breath before saying it, exhaling heavy as she finally did. That must have been it. It had to have been. Even so, she was now too afraid to continue and so she lied, turning to the bathroom door and exclaiming that she had completed it. They questioned her for a moment, telling her that they heard nothing but a yelp, but she confirmed that she did in fact finish the ritual but nothing had happened for her. Trusting their big sister, they opened the door and let her out, giving space for Nicholas to now step into the darkness of the bathroom. He stood in front of the mirror in the doorway of the landing, already staring into his own eyes of determination to prove that he was not, once again, the most afraid of the group. If they were all going to be fearless, it was going to have to involve all three of them. And so, he stepped inside with intent, only flinching slightly when the door closed behind him, leaving him in the darkness with the candle. He found it strange how quickly the atmosphere changed in that room lit only by candlelight as the darkness took over. He stepped ahead placing both hands on either side of the sink, leaning forward into the mirror as if taunting his own reflection, daring it to try to scare him. And then he begun. Bloody Mary, he whispered, keeping his eyes focused on what he could see of his dark pupils in the orange light. Bloody Mary, he whispered again, this time somewhat louder than the time before, and then finally, louder still, Bloody Mary. With this final calling, the candle by the mirror blew out as the faint smell of smoke filled the air. He turned, pacing towards the bathroom door whilst exclaiming he had completed it, frustrated they hadn't opened the door for him. 
He grabbed the handle and pulled, but the light of the hall only entered the room for a millisecond as his siblings yanked the door back, both laughing as they teased him, keeping him locked in the darkness, knowing the light switch for the bathroom was on the wall by the door on their side. He called for a moment, frustrated that they wouldn't open, but finding the situation hilarious, they only held on tighter, using their full body weight to lean back, ensuring the best grip. Nicholas, in his frustration, decided not to give his siblings the satisfaction. They couldn't see his trembling hands or panicked eyes through the door anyway, so he turned and walked back to the mirror, feeling around for the lighter by the candle, ignoring their giggles he could hear on the other side of the wooden door. He placed the lighter beside the wick that rose from the wax and flicked it on, causing a small burst of flame to ignite by his fingers. But as he did, as if checking in on some dark thought he had, he looked into the mirror to see the dark figure of a woman in the corner of the room. In his panic, he missed the wick and let go, instantly engulfed into the darkness again, now filled with dread and horror that was far beyond anything that he could have felt before as he charged to the bathroom door once again, trying to open it. This time, his sibling's grip was tighter as it did not budge at all, as if barricaded with beams of wood. He began to scream, unaware that on the other side of the door, his siblings were no longer pulling it closed, but were now trying and failing to ram it open. By now, their parents must have been awoken by the sounds from above, and so the children, who were just as confused as they were afraid, turned and ran down the stairs to get help leaving the bathroom with nothing but darkness inside, filled with the sounds of a child's scream and broken glass. The story of Bloody Mary goes back for many years, with research into urban legends as early as 1978, when folklorist Janet Lang Lewis published an essay on the tale. This was at a time where the belief in the ability to summon the witch in the mirror was widespread across the Western Hemisphere. The avenging spirit goes by many names, depending on who it is you're asking and what part of the world you're in when you do so. Famously, she is known as Bloody Mary, but she also goes by the name of Bloody Bones, Hell Mary, Mary Worth, Mary Worthington, Mary Wales, Mary Johnson, Mary Jane, Mary Lou, Kathy, Sally, Agnes, Black Agnes, Aggie, or Svart Madame. This woman who goes by so many names also, inevitably, holds many variations to her origin most notably was the belief that Mary was in fact a witch that had been executed hundreds of years ago for her part in the black arts and devil worship, now destined to return whenever summoned by playful teens in the mirror. A more modern take brings us to the 21st century, as Mary sits as a victim of a terrible car accident that horribly mutilated her face and now appears in the mirror, angered by the beautiful faces of those who summon her. This plays on the less imaginative concept of what would be considered a disability, twisting it and feeding the old movie cliché that villains are always to be disfigured in some form. The name itself has over time caused confusion, 
misinterpretations and misunderstandings regarding the origins of Mary, with many confusing her with Queen Mary I, who, by sheer coincidence, has been named by many historians as Bloody Mary. The daughter of the famous Catherine of Aragon garnered her macabre nickname after having numerous Protestants put to death during her reign as queen in an attempt to re-establish Catholicism as the religion of the land after the changes of her father, Henry VIII. It would seem, as many things in life, the shared name of Bloody Mary is nothing more than a coincidence, with no real connection between the misguided queen and the mirrored apparition. It is difficult to trace these somewhat ritualistic, playful games about the girl in the mirror, but the concept of looking into a reflection, only to see something in the room with you, goes back far beyond any mention of Mary. In fact, the original concept of this idea was somewhat sweet in its agenda, where young girls would stand in front of the mirror at the strike of midnight of Halloween. Amongst the darkness behind them, the face of their future husband would supposedly appear to them. It was always a somewhat exciting and reassuring game to play amongst the spooks of Halloween night. Who knows where the change occurred to become so dark and dastardly. Children and young people require engagement, we know this. They are easily bored and to the great exhaustion of many parents, often need constant entertainment. There is almost a compulsion to prank, tease and play. Although as seen by our ever-expanding scare attractions across the UK and the consistent love for Halloween already prevalent around America, not to mention the surefire genre of horror films that always manage to grab an audience, their love to be afraid. To test our nerves to the very limit is a craving that many of us feel no matter what age. The belief that mirrors were somehow portals between our world and that of the spirits shows up in various places around the globe in several situations, namely those surrounding funerals. For a long time, it was common practice to cover every mirror in the house where a death had occurred until the body had been taken away for burial. The common belief was that if the departed caught a glimpse of themselves in a mirror in any way, their spirit would be caught, left to haunt the house forevermore, trapped amongst the looking glass. Some covered the mirrors out of fear that they themselves would die if they would somehow catch their reflection in the same house. With this idea being told to generations ahead, even as the customs slowly dissipated and disappeared into history, it is no wonder the notion of spirits in a mirror had become such a prevalent part of our society's scary stories. We can all think of several horror films from the top of our heads that have either used mirrors to show a spirit or to trap one inside. Some stories go as far as to show an evil reflection staring back at us, or a glimpse into another time or place. In Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the mirror is enchanted, a spirit in itself able to look upon the world and answer all the questions the evil queen may have for it. In a mirror, we can see all the fears and insecurities we have in our appearance, all the things we wish were different on our bodies and our faces as we study ourselves with negative eyes, allowing the mirror to tease us, playing on our worries and disappointments. Traditionally, vampires have no reflection in a mirror, one of the key ways to prove that they are in fact demonic creatures underneath their charming capes. This is because, in folklore, they are already dead. Their soul has already left them and so, the reflection, or their soul, is not there to stare back at them when they peer through the glass, leaving nothing but blankness in its stead. But with all good scares comes an element of truth to this idea, but unfortunately it is far more simple and far more psychological than mystical and spooky. 
I appreciate that the Soul in the Mirror narrative is still a wonderful tale from history, and our new understanding of where it came from, to me at least, makes it all the more fascinating. The true notion of a scare in the mirror is loosely down to what is known as the Troxler effect, discovered way back in 1804 by physician and philosopher Ignaz Troxler. You have most likely seen the optical illusions of a dot in the center of an image, asking you to focus on it, only to find that the image around changes color, shape, or disappears entirely. This is something our brain has evolved in order to survive in a world of so much noise, color, and texture. Listening to me now, you may be driving your car, lying in your bed, or working away at your desk, but you are focusing on those tasks, whatever they be. Right now, you're not thinking about your breathing. You're not contemplating the texture of your clothes against your skin because it would be ridiculous to do so. If our minds focused on all these things and more in any given moment, we would never get anything done. And so our minds turn a blind eye to those parts of our brain and ensure our focus and energy is exactly where it should be. It's brilliant, logical, evident and helpful, and yet, like most things in our evolved psyche, it has side effects. In 2010, Italian psychologist Giovanni Caputo set up a study under controlled laboratory conditions with 50 healthy young adults. Amongst these experiments was the simple task for these adults to stand for about one minute and gaze in the mirror. Out of those 50, 66% of the individuals reported to see huge deformations of their faces, whilst 48% reported seeing a monstrous face. 28% reported an unknown person, 18% reported the face of a parent or relative, and another 18% even reported seeing a face that resembled that of an animal. Just like staring at a dot in the center of a circle, only to see that circle disappear in an amazing yet simple optical illusion, we find our cheeks morphing into one amongst the darkness of the shadow. Whilst we stare into our eyes, we may find our mouth disappears or droops down past our chin. We may find that our foreheads disappear into the blackness or that our ears stretch and bend in a way that seems torturous and impossible. You stare into any corner of a dark room and watch the black shadow people begin to move around your room as your mind creates the shapes as your eyes adjust. How often have we looked across the room to see a lurching creature staring us dead in the eyes, only to turn on the light to find a jumper draped over the back of a chair? Our minds create the reality we exist in. It is what carries our thoughts, our personalities, our desires, and yet, it is almost constantly fooling us. In partnership with the remarkable feat of psychology creating ghosts in the mirror is pareidolia a phenomenon we have all experienced and are capable of, and that is the sighting of faces in places that they do not exist. Many of us have laid on the green grass of a field in a summer's day and looked up into the sky, pointing out the many creatures and people we can see making shapes amongst the clouds. We've all read of the people that find Jesus in their toast. We've all looked at the markings in a tree or the shape of a bin and seen a face looking back at us. Even cars' fronts have such face-like structures in our minds that you can buy fake eyelashes for the headlights. Pixar took this further, creating a whole world where these faces that we see on a daily basis come to life. To many, this is a normal part of existence that we all do. Sometimes even a bit of fun if we're in the mood. Others aren't even aware that this is a psychological phenomenon. 
But then there's a third camp, those that take this very seriously indeed. Diane Dicer of Miami took advantage of this with both hands as she sold a 10-year-old grilled cheese sandwich that she claimed bore the image of Jesus Christ on eBay for a whopping $28,000 in 2004. There are a number of theories as to why we see faces where there are none, leading us to the glares of strangers in the shadow as we look into the mirror, summoning the name of Bloody Mary. Many experts believe pareidolia provides a psychological determination for many delusions that involve our various senses. They say this could be the reason behind sightings of UFOs, the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and even a still-alive Elvis Presley. Carl Sagan, the brilliant American cosmopologist and author, believed that it was an evolved survival tool, and from my understanding of evolution and psychology, I tend to agree with this hypothesis. He argued that the ability to recognize faces from a distance and poor visibility would have been a vital survival technique for early humans. This would have been helpful for us to figure out whether what was ahead of us was a friend or foe. Sagan also noted that this could result in some misinterpretations of random images or patterns of lights and shades as being faces, where in fact there is nothing there. This phenomenon is used and understood in many ways, from religious figures in baked goods to artists' work, or from the senses of sound known as auditory pareidolia, seen mostly in the usage of EVPs and ghost hunts, or playing a record backwards to hear a hidden message, to the Rorschach in-block test that intends to reveal the deeper thoughts in the patient's psyche. There will always be part of us that still clings to the idea of the spirit world that we are so often told exists throughout our lives by our family members, churches or film. Even non-believers would have to admit that a teeny tiny part of them would hesitate as they looked deep into their own eyes, in the shadow of the darkness of the mirror, and whispered the name, Bloody Mary. Choose Your Struggle is a podcast hosted by Jay Schiffman, a public speaker, coach, and now podcast host. Interviewing people who have lived experience on the topics of mental health, drug use, substance misuse, and recovery to help end stigma and normalize difficult conversations through empathy and vulnerability. I myself have lived with a diagnosis of cyclothymia, a mild form of bipolar disorder. My mood can go from happy to the deepest depths of darkness only to rise up to happy again in the space of a single day. Many of my film works and stories outside of urban legends are inspired by and created to better our understanding of the importance of mental health. In the UK, suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 45. That's above cancer and road accidents. In the USA, over 125,000 Americans die from overdose and suicide combined in the course of a year. These people are our neighbours, our friends, our families, our podcast hosts. Jay and I both believe that there are massive system changes that need to happen, but until we can have an honest conversation around these topics, many lives will be continued to be lost. As a man in long-term recovery, Jay recognises his privilege. The way he sees it, to not do something meaningful would frankly be a waste of his second chance. That is why he hosts the show, Choose Your Struggle, and that is why... I believe you should check it out.
The responses and reviews for Urban Legends have been a wonderful surprise for us here, and we're over the moon that our listeners are enjoying our content. Although it hasn't gone unnoticed that many of you have commented that you wish there was more content from us. This is why we've begun a Patreon with two tiers. For £4 a month, you can join us as a mythologist, where you can catch all episodes of Urban Legends without any of these ad breaks, allowing you to focus on the story at hand, as well as exclusive hidden episodes released the Monday after each legend, delving into similar legends not covered in the main series. For £8 a month, you can join us as an anthropologist, where you can catch all that I previously mentioned, as well as the ability to put your version of the legend forward to be read in the main series, invitations to live Q&As with me, working in progress updates, priority voting on what legends we'll cover in the seasons to come, and even the chance to feature on one of our footnotes. The more our Patreon grows, the more content we can create, and the shorter our breaks between seasons become. So, we hope you'll join us soon. And now, back to the podcast. With the ability to create a fear that resembles the nervous, anxious excitement that comes as you wait for a roller coaster to begin by simply standing in front of a mirror, the practice of this morbid ritual continues to this very day, although the precise requirements necessary do vary. To some, the mirror must strictly be illuminated by a single candle and nothing more. In other iterations, there must be a candle on each side of the mirror to light the darkness ever so slightly. The dim lighting required has probably emerged from the simple notion of the fear of the unknown, the candlelight only faintly fading into the back behind the participants, igniting the imagination and possibility of what lurks behind. The other reason is that it is in these perfectly dim settings that our eyes tend to play tricks on us the most, with the slight flicker of a candle creating a moving shadow behind us with ease, promptly scaring those who witness it. In some cases of the ritualistic game, the calling of Mary is repeated by just one person, who, depending on the circumstances, is a volunteer, or whoever it was that drew the short straw. Although the number of chants needed to call the haunting apparition to your home varies widely, I grew up believing you needed to stare into your own eyes in the mirror, repeating the words Bloody Mary three times. Others understand the ritual as 13 times, some believe it as 7 times, and others, more rarely, believe it is only needed once. What the blood-covered witch in the mirror does as she appears in the glass also varies depending on who it is telling the story. Often it is believed that she does nothing to hurt you, merely appearing in the dim light of the candle, staring deep into the caller's eyes with murderous fiery intent. Other tales suggest that she will physically attack those that summon her, jumping from the mirror and fiercely scratching at the faces of the caller or bludgeoning them to death envious of their beauty. It is also believed in some iterations that Mary will instead grab hold of those who summoned her, dragging them into the mirrored spirit plane on the other side. There have been claims that if you were to repeat Hell Mary seven times in front of the mirror, engulfed in the darkness of a windowless room, you would eventually see the face of Satan himself staring back at you through the glass with its enticing glare. 
Some people have taken the story to more theatrical levels, chanting the name of Bloody Mary whilst spinning in front of a mirror in a room, merely capturing a glimpse in the mirror whenever they could. This chant should always begin as a whisper, growing louder each time you say it until it eventually evolves into a scream, demanding her presence. And it is then, if you have done it right, you would see her looking back. Although this version is a clear indication of suspense being built by the continuous rising of the voice, the blood pumping required to spin, and the blurred vision of what you would find in the reflection, it remains popular in certain regions of the world. Sometimes, it requires the caller to recite the claim, I believe in Mary Worth. Other times, it requires the caller to entice her to them with the phrase, Bloody Mary, I killed your baby. All of these incantations, chants, and ritualistic games are intended for the same purpose. To ignite fear in us. The reason I adore the story of Bloody Mary so much is due to the amount of psychology that is at play, mixed with the brilliant tricks of the mind that we play on ourselves daily. It could be argued that the scariest thing about Bloody Mary is that it just proves how easy it is for us to see things that aren't really there. Urban Legends is written and produced by Luke Morgie, researched by Sean Davis, in association with Morgie Pictures. Original score by Billy Jupp, with additional sounds from audioblocks.com. If you like what you've heard and want to hear more, make sure to click subscribe. You can find out more about Urban Legends, including a complete written breakdown of this episode, with images, news reports, and citations listed on anything that's been said at lrmorgie.com slash podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ULpodcast, on Instagram at urbanlegends.podcast, or on Facebook by simply searching Urban Legends Podcast.